0: Mm -hmm. Hi, hello, hola, and hello. Welcome to My Kids Think I'm Cool, But Podcast. A podcast about getting knocked up in a foreign country, families living abroad, and raising children in a different culture, all while trying to keep your cool and not lose your shit. I'm your host, Jackie, an American Filipino mom living in Denmark, and my kids think I'm cool, but... I told my daughter that McDonald's was closed uh, last week Um, In McDonald's, they're actually giving out My Little Pony toys So she's been obsessed over McDonald's and she's been wanting it every day So I've been telling her that it's closed or on lockdown because of the uh, Corona and COVID situation Um, If you are listening, Camilla, thank you for that tip Because you're the one that actually gave me that tip for for, uh, telling my daughter that um, If you don't want them to go there, just tell them it's closed (laughs) Do you guys have a butt with your kids? Let me know and message me. I would love to know about it and laugh and also get some tips from you guys on what to do when situations get like that. So now let's get to the episode. First of all, thank you so much for coming back to listen to My Kids Think I'm Cool, but podcast. Today, I have a very special person. She was actually my very first interview when I started this podcast back in October. I didn't have all the equipment or even this radio show at the time. So I used Facebook to announce about my podcast to my friends and family. And at the same time, I wanted to interview another international mom that was living in Denmark and introduce her. And what she has been up to. And when I met her, she is so amazing. She was about to publish a book. She was funding it and also had four kids under four. And to top it off, two of them are twins. And she wrote this book during her maternity leave and with her twins home and also taking care of two other kids so that is so amazing and she's a super mom she is from canada living in denmark now and now let's get to her and see that an update on the book because we did do it in october and she was in the middle of her kickstarter because she wanted to self-publish and kickstarter helped her basically kickstart the whole publishing so let's get into it hi lindsay and thank you for being here thank you for having <laughs> me I had to shut up Because I just I can keep going And talking (laughs) So before we jump Into your book And how Since October Till now And how that whole process went I wanted to Talk to you About you And your life Here in Denmark Because not a lot of people Probably heard of that Introduction we did On my Facebook Mm -hmm. Because we did Introduce my podcast And also introduce About your Kickstarting movement Because I wanted to Help you get This book published I'm really happy That it did But let's talk about Your family uh, You And why you're here In Denmark so the famous question why are you in Denmark
1: <laughs> yeah so I know that a lot of your a yeah. lot of your guests are here because of love and because they they married a Dane and I am married to Dane as well but we actually met in England and have been moving around in Europe chasing you know job opportunities mm-hmm. and our education and when my daughter was born in Switzerland we quickly realized that the family life and work-life balance that we wanted to have wasn't there so we relocated to one of our homes here in Denmark
0: well, Was Denmark your first choice or were you trying to go either back to Canada or another country?
1: I think at the time we were mostly considering Canada or Denmark and it was really important to me to learn Danish because we knew that our family would be bilingual and it felt really important that I be here long enough to learn the language properly and be part of the family.
0: What made you choose? I know your your husband's here mm-hmm. from Denmark, but what really made you choose, yeah, okay, Denmark is where we're gonna raise our family and be uh, uh, be there um, think, besides Canada.
1: I think it's it's always really tricky to say when you make a decision. Mm-hmm. I had a job opportunity pop up during my maternity leave within the first couple of months, and it was exactly the job I wanted to do here at the University of Southern Denmark. And so it was just a perfect fit. We figured it would be a little more difficult for me to find a job here than for my husband. So while maybe normally people move home with their Danish partner and their job, we actually moved here with mine.
0: So it actually worked out that you got a job and it was in a country where your husband's from. Your husband's in Jutland, so it's also close to where your husband's family is.
1: Yeah, our family and friends, our network was based in Jutland, so it made sense that I work in Ulntz at the university and we were able to visit and see the people that we wanted to when we were living here.
0: That's really great because usually when people move here, it's for their spouse and because their job, so that really worked out uh, for Mm. you and in your favor. Since you had your kids, uh, two kids in Switzerland and then here in Denmark, did you notice the difference in having kids in Denmark versus in Switzerland?
1: Yeah. So, from a healthcare perspective, I would say both countries are really great. It is a private healthcare system in Switzerland. So, you could say it's a little more luxurious because yeah. you pay for it. But I think having access to the public system here is really amazing. And I haven't felt like I wasn't taken care of here. So just from a having babies in this country perspective, I think it was different. And the one challenge that is definitely the same has been not speaking the native language when your babies are born. And I'm sure, you're, you know, the international community listening to this podcast will understand what that's like.
0: Yeah. Language mainly is the most difficult part for any international, and also for myself. Been living here seven years and having a, a job in English doesn't really
1: help, but my family is Dane, so
0: that mm, yeah. does help. So they encourage more to speak Danish. How is your Danish uh, going right now?
1: Uh, it's pretty good. I would say I'm quite fortunate that many of my colleagues are Danish. So I was actually surrounded by Danish at the workplace, and having had two rounds of maternity leave now and having a mother's group also gave me a really great opportunity to build on the classes that I took. So it's pretty good. And certainly I would say my six-year-old daughter is just starting to pass my level because she's growing up in the environment and learning the slang words and things you don't necessarily learn in a classroom.
0: With me and my husband, when my husband and my daughter speak, and they speak really fast, mm-hmm. and they start laughing, I feel so out of loop. Like, yeah. what What are you guys talking about? And then my husband's like, did you get that? Did you get that? I'm like, I feel so left out. <laughs> Do
1: you feel that way? <laughs> Not now. But this is exactly what I would say steamed my motivation to take <laughs> classes every week. And because i was so afraid of these moments, and it does happen, there are times I don't catch things. So I absolutely still experience it. But I'd say for the most part, I follow what's going on.
0: Yeah. Even, you can understand it now, but can you participate in responding to a joke like you would in English when someone has a joke, like, and then
1: you can kind of further the conversation? I think it depends who the conversation's with and how long the conversation's been going. So normally, you know, that first introductory part of a conversation is fine and I can handle all the conversations at the Banaheo or school, but I think there's, like, a natural complexity that comes with language as a conversation evolves. Mm -hmm. And then if you miss, like, a key piece of information, then you can kind of get lost. It also takes a lot of focus, I think, to stay, you know, in this, con- it's different than in your native language. Yeah. So I think that's the hardest part is to stay so acutely focused on what's happening over half an hour or an hour conversation.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And especially with my husband and my daughter speaking, if I'm not paying attention to what they're talking about, and I'm just doing something else, I wouldn't get the joke or whatever they're talking because I'm not focused on what they're talking about but versus in English if they were speaking English you can still do something else and understand what they you know hop into the conversation because you just it's just engraved in us that that's our language.
1: I think it's a little bit like peripheral vision. Yeah, right? you're able to still some level in your brain pick up the background chatter if it's in your native language, mm-hmm. but if it's in a new language or a foreign language, I think that must take years.
0: Yeah, you kind of just tune it out a mm-hmm. little bit. It's not something you pay attention to. But when I do go home to the U.S., I notice more conversations around me because you just understand it, and it's mm-hmm. such a shock. I'm like, whoa! I understand everyone around me. It's it's so so weird. I don't know if that's how you feel when you go back to Canada. I think the
1: the dead giveaway I've either been on the phone With somebody from home Or if we've been home My husband says It always points out Funny vocabulary that I use It's like oh is that You use that word Or like what does that word mean It's because I find I must refine the words I use When I'm overseas And then when I'm on the phone With someone from home Then yeah All the My own slang words Maybe come up
0: Yeah and sometimes I don't know if you've noticed it. you try to figure out A slang word in Danish That you'd usually use in English And it never exists
1: Oh yeah Or you trying do like the the literal translation of a phrase or like a way of expressing something. An idiom, I think they're yeah. called. Yeah. If you try and do that direct translation, I've definitely stumbled into some silly situations. Yeah, they're like,
0: what are you talking about? It's yeah. like, you don't say that here. It's like, no, you don't say no, that here. No. <laughs> but if you translate some idioms that's in Danish into English.
1: It's just a silly. It's just a
0: silly. Yeah. It's like, okay.
1: Yeah, I think my one of my favorites is the the cow on the ice. Have you heard that? No, I haven't heard a cow in ice. Yeah, dig so it's if like is some is there, is there something wrong like or yeah, I think it's the it's a funny one. Look that one up. Is a good is there a cow on the ice? Oh, a, I I kind of want to use that in English yeah. <laughs> in a way. Think, why is there a cow on the ice, and why would you talk about it? It sounds like a drink. Yeah, like yeah, cow on the ice. Yeah, yeah. yeah please, thank you. I'll two. have a
0: cow on the ice. Yeah, two of them, please. It would be a clua and milk together. Or, yeah, maybe. something like that, <laughs> and then ice cream on top. Something yeah. random. <laughs>
1: This will be the uh this will be your signature drink from the podcast. Yeah.
0: Cow on the ice. That's what we call it. Yeah. Or we can call a podcast The Cow on the Ice. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it really for anyone who knows this one, it's great. There's a lot of good ones to be honest. There
0: is. There's there's someone posted on a Facebook group of all the idioms that's used in Denmark and I'm like, these are so funny.
1: The other one that kills me is na like the just this word na and they said all the different meanings in Danish of what na. that can mean. Like nothing mean No, yeah, or it can mean like oh no, like yeah. the, and there's like a list, I think, of 15 different ways no. it can be interpreted exactly. And you think, So, how in the world do people learn this language?
0: That's true. For me, what gets me is something can you can hear it the same, but it's completely different. It's yeah. like it could be the same word, but just if you express it different, I know it's the same in English, but there's some things that just sounds the same. It's like that sounds exactly the same as mm-hmm. the other one, but like it's completely different. Or so. that's
1: what I said, and my husband says, No, it's not. And I said, That, that is exactly what I said. But I think as I've learned the language more, I kind of learned to love it more yep. because I think technically there's less words in the language which means there's more wiggle room. Like You either have to learn to interpret the words they're being presented to you mm-hmm. and it feels more like this secret language they always talk about because to interpret it and understand it, it just takes time and practice and socialization which I think is exciting. Yeah. Even to just get a glimpse or a corner of that at this point in my Danish career.
0: No, uh, my Danish is getting better And better every year, and then it's funny is when my friends visit me. They're like, "Whoa, your Danish is good." I was like, "Thank you." (laughs) It's not really like if you really understood what I was saying, you you'd be like, "Yeah, you're a foreigner."
1: (laughs) Yeah, but that's also okay. Yeah, I am a foreigner. (laughs) I think it's really great if you make the effort to learn the language, then I think, yeah, I think that's a very good step.
0: And Danes, they're like, yeah, they they encourage it. And then if they don't understand you, they just switch to English. Mm. (laughs) It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We got off subject on that. Yeah. not all countries have these what you call it, these home nurse that come visit mm-hmm. and i found that when i first had my daughter here i loved it because you know you get sent home with a, a kid and it's like okay what do i do next mm-hmm. and you have this home nurse that comes and helps not helps you but you know see how you're doing see how the baby's doing and just really help you is that something that is provided in canada or switzerland um, I, these kind of home
1: nurses or i can't speak with certainty about canada i think normally people would go in to see their pediatrician yeah. or they they would visit a nurse. I think the home visits are really amazing. Mm-hmm. I was especially grateful for it after I had the twins, just because it was more important to monitor their weight gain and, mm-hmm. you know, how breastfeeding was going. So yeah, under those circumstances, it was very, very helpful. Compared to Switzerland, we went into the doctor's office okay. to be checked. So I would imagine maybe that's the more traditional model that people yeah. bring their babies, which is a really big, it takes a lot of effort, mm-hmm. you know, to prepare yourself when you're already a little overwhelmed, perhaps with a baby. So I, i mean i'm certainly grateful for that system here in denmark
0: so they didn't have that system in uh, switzerland where you had to go in and i was also grateful for it because when i first had my daughter i couldn't even get up like it was just so exhausting and that's probably the same for you getting two kids ready for burn hound and then twins at the same time and mm-hmm. then they have a doctor's appointment just to get a checkup like yeah, it's crazy. that was, must have been like a struggle in the beginning mm-hmm. now you have probably got a candle like, like octopus arms I like, <laughs> got it it's like it's all routine and sometimes it just goes off funk and
1: I certainly need to give some credit to my husband he's fully invested yeah. in, in helping with the family so I think that's certainly a great mentality yeah. that men in this country have that they're invested in participating in Parenting.
0: Especially having four kids, and then with you and your career and his career too, it's it's nice to have a, a husband that is part of it and helping get through all this. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're, I mean, we're a team and I yeah. think it's kind of all hands on deck
0: at yeah. this point. While they're young. Yeah. <laughs> this may be just rumors, but I heard in Switzerland raising, having kids is super expensive. It's not like here in Denmark. Everything's private and childcare is not cheap. Is that
1: true? So I moved about six years ago, but I can give you an idea of what yeah. my impression was at that time. It was very expensive to put kids in the crepe, which is yeah. like burn Bernhous- 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 yeah. yeah, or daycare. And what's really interesting, I don't think it's changed, but maternity leave is only 14 weeks, whereas the societal idea there is very pro-breastfeeding, it's very supportive. So there's definitely a disconnect between if what everybody wants to do is to breastfeed and to be with their babies. I mean, 14 weeks isn't it, and a lot of women want to be home longer than that. So I think at the time... Again, it's a little dated information, but there was this really big gap between professional women who would give up their jobs mm. to stay home for some years. So there's like the highest number of highly educated women in all of Europe, I think, at the time. So I found for me, I definitely felt a lot more pressure to make a decision of do I want to you know, build a family and be invested in that or do I want to work? And yeah. the idea of putting my 14 week old baby just wasn't going to work for us. So, I mean, we made some decisions around that and also the cost we imagined having more than one one kid it very quickly becomes not affordable to have kids and have two careers
0: wow I didn't I thought Switzerland would have more of a one year because it is in EU
1: maybe Uh, more consistent with Germany and Austria which have I think two Two. years Mm -hmm. so no they are set up a little differently yeah
0: well I was shocked by the daycare fees but now I'm shocked. about the maternity leave yeah, because my husband and I were thinking of moving before we had our kids we were thinking of moving to Switzerland because we both love that country and it has mountains and it's beautiful and everything and now I'm so happy we didn't there's I mean it's really
1: tricky there's there's really great job opportunities there it's a beautiful country it's safe and clean I think if you have kids that are school age and if you both have a career I think it could be a great fit if you have these preschool kids and you want to be at home for at least say a year when they're little, you do have to kind of make a choice. And Denmark is one of the great mm-hmm. countries
0: to be and have little kids and have the work-life balance mm-hmm. and have the choice to either stay home with the kids. So, yeah. What are some of the challenges you face being an international mom in Denmark and in Switzerland? But you, uh, you weren't that long in Switzerland when you became a mom, but in general, what is the challenges that you had to face? Yeah, I think,
1: I mean, in both places, I think navigating parent norms in that country versus maybe what your baseline was from where you come from and then when you're an international couple then you know discovering what are the parent norms in your partner I think that was all kind of an adventure for us figuring out oh is that how you would do it is that how is that how it was a lot of those conversations
0: yeah because culturally you guys were raised differently Mm -hmm. so you see the views are different on how to raise kids but at the same time you guys can take both what you like from how you were raised and then put it together
1: yeah and I think that's definitely been our strategy taking the pieces we like and that suit us and our priorities best and piecing together this uh, patchwork of parenting. Yeah, model. With, the, with the two cultures. Mm-hmm.
0: Now to get into that, uh, how do you balance the cultures with your, uh, with your household? You know, with you being Canadian and then your husband being Dane, how do you keep the culture of Canada and have your kids know about it and know that there is a country outside of Denmark.
1: We until this last year. I mean, being an exception, we made we traveled home every summer. My parents are also so their grandparents are very involved, and we do a lot of FaceTime. So <laughs> some of those practical pieces I think help them understand that there's a country far away, and we talk mm-hmm. a lot about where we were born and where is that country. And i I think as they get bigger, we'll talk more and more about the map and different cultures, and they'll probably start to identify. Oh, this our family works this way because mommy's Canadian, and I. Think Thing. I know our family works this way because my daddy's Danish and yeah. it'll just be a nice blend, hopefully. Do
0: you celebrate some of the holidays here in Denmark, like uh, Thanksgiving? I know you guys have a Thanksgiving too. Do you try to celebrate it here or any other Canadian holidays that's important to you that you want your kids to learn?
1: Yeah, there's definitely some traditions that we bring in. So I've always really loved Halloween, for example, and that's not a thing here. So our kids get Halloween in the fall and also festal around now. So also Christmas time is another one in Canada we would celebrate on the 25th Mm -hmm. with Santa and Mm -hmm. Dane's do it on the 24th so I like to think our kids get the best of both worlds Mm -hmm. we double up we, we split the presents and depending on where we are we kind of coordinate the celebrations around that but I think they kind of get both they love um kids love it because they're like okay
0: I have double the presents it was our first time taking my daughter to uh, christmas in the u.s last year and she still remembers it to this day he's like remember mommy i woke up with lots of presents because she's so used to opening the presents the night before and then the santa comes the night before what i told her when we we're over there it's like oh santa doesn't come the night before santa comes in the morning and drop off so she actually knows the difference she's like okay when we're in lola's house which is grandma in tagalog and when we're in denmark santa comes in different times it's like yep that's how that's how it works it's all very logical yeah so i was like see it's different times on My daughter knows about time zones and in different countries, which is really fascinating for four years old. But we also have a huge map in the middle of our dining room table where we all eat. We have wooden maps so she can see like how far my parents live from here. And she knows, okay, when are we going to take a plane? Because this is the longest we've been away from them Mm -hmm. is because of uh, the corona. And she's like, when are we going on a plane, mommy? I was like, oh. I don't know
1: (laughs) We're having the same Conversation at home The other thing I've seen some International families do And that I think Will do as well Is have multiple clocks So that you know Once your kids Start being able to tell time Because right now My daughter asks Oh is Nana sleeping Or is Nana awake And I think Having that up Will also give them To sort of create More dimension To that other reality Or other place People are living
0: Yeah I love that She knows Separate countries now She's not so tied To Denmark And I think it's so Fascinating that she knows I had um, one of her her friend's mom came up to me, and she's like, "You know how we asked Mika, my daughter? Oh, how do you get to your Lola's house?" And she explained. it's like, "We get into a car, we go on a plane. I play on the iPad. We get out of the plane, I get on the car, and then I'm at Lola's house." <laughs> and I just like, wow! So amazing that they remember that for so young, and they experienced that.
1: Yeah, I feel, I'm i feeling a little guilty for my son right now because yeah. he's four as well. But because I was pregnant in the summer of 2019 with the twins, we obviously didn't yeah. travel home. And then he does remember that Christmas, but because we normally go to the family cottage and have you know swimming lessons yeah. and it's in the forest, it's a really big impression on the kids and a good opportunity to learn English. She's kind of been cheated with the twin pregnancy and then being born and then now with the pandemic. So yeah. I hope things resolve well enough that we can travel again this summer.
0: I feel the same with my son, my daughter. Was traveling back and forth in the US so many times. And then my son's like, got once. It's mm-hmm. like, I feel so bad. But at the same time, he's so walking and crazy and running. So I'm kind of like, okay, maybe it's not a good time because my daughter was so still and sat next to me. My son is not that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it, um, our, so. The twins that I know your son are about 18 months yeah. or a little under, and I think that's the hardest time to travel. Yeah. personally, in the spectrum of kids,
0: and you have two. <laughs> I, um. I'm like complaining about one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you travel just as long as us too. So it's not I that short. So how
1: many hours do you fly? Eleven. Yeah. So we're eight. Actually. Wait. Okay. You're Direct-
0: in the w- yeah. And you're in the west. Yeah. I'm in. Uh, uh, east. I'm in the west. So it's eleven on a plane. I'm like eleven with a 18 month old that likes to climb. And jump. I don't, people will probably like yell at me,
1: Calm your baby down. I think people just feel so bad Because they know that kid doesn't want to watch TV And they just want to move at that age
0: Yeah, and my my son Has no interest in TV Or iPad or anything digital He wants to touch everything and put his fingers In everything he Mm. sees And put everything in his mouth And I'm like, "Uh, during these times I don't think I want him putting random seatbelts Or chewing on the um, arm holder Or just putting his fingers In not so nice places Yeah, So I was like i'm okay with him not traveling i just feel bad because his sister got to travel so much and now it's and then also we can't travel that much back to the u.s because my daughter starts school Mm -hmm. that's like a double whammy for him like he won't get to see the his family as much as his sister did
1: hopefully when they're a little older and they have a stronger memory Mm -hmm. you make a bigger impression on them
0: let's get into your book and And how I know when we first met you were just in the stage with your Kickstarter and I thought it was so fascinating and your your book was yeah I just thought it was so great that you were launching a book The Lovely Haze of Baby Days and I didn't get to read it at that time and but I got my copy because I supported on Kickstarter I was
1: so excited for it. Uh, What inspired you to write this book? Yeah I mean we started this conversation a little bit in the place I was at when I wrote it so I you know had Uh, some challenges postpartum just juggling you know the world with four small kids and I think having twins was also kind of a double whammy of two babies and just passionately pursuing that they will get everything that my singles got and I think I put a lot of pressure on myself so around the time I was struggling I had a number of friends admit that they'd had postpartum depression and I just started feeling so frustrated by the pressure that we put on ourselves and also when we look in social media I think you create this idea that it should be really effortless should be really easy and it should always be beautiful and why am I not happy every day every moment why does it feel so messy yeah and I think working through some of that Um, Those feelings. I've always loved creative writing, and you know, I just wrote this book as an outlet. So it began very much as a way for me to work through my own challenging times, navigating life with a lot of little kids and two babies. And then, when I started imagining it could be a book that created a conversation starter for other women, it could be something we, you know, might give at a baby shower or for Mother's Day or to a new mom that you suspect might be struggling and not engaging with her community. This idea. that it could be a message of support from baby's bookshelf just really took hold of me. It sort of transformed from just a way for me to work through to something to perhaps making a positive impact on maternal mental health and supporting other women in my community.
0: That's really great that you created the book that helped yourself get through this, you know, hazy time, this time that you're like, okay, why is everything falling apart, but at the same time you wanted to help other parents that is going through that with this book. How did you find the time
1: to write it? <laughs> so the writing and some of the creative ideas came together probably while I was with my kids and, you know, the idea, the vision for mm-hmm. it, I think, it just became more and more clear as my maternity leave progressed. My husband was took a f- 3 months paternity leave mm-hmm. from last spring or in the summer, so I just kind of planned out that I would nosedive into this project and treat it not quite like a job, but like a passion project I was really excited about. So I took that time period and pursued something that meant so much to me personally, and that I also thought could, yeah, have this positive impact I was imagining.
0: Okay, so your husband took the time off, supported you, saw the passion, and that's really great that he did that, and he just dived in and wrote it, and then found an illustrator at the same time? I
1: had technically found her before, so it was definitely a, like while they slept during the evenings yeah. thing, until I guess about the end of May or early June, when my husband full-time took over the girls in the day. And then I would spend, you know, maybe four or five hours working in the day setting up a Kickstarter, which I had, you know, in my mind committed that that was a great vehicle for testing this idea in the market and uh, would be a great way to launch the book into the world by essentially pre-ordering or allowing people to pre-order the book before it existed.
0: And that really went well for you. I know when we were talking, it was just in the beginning stages. How was that for you with the support of your husband, your family, your friends back in Canada and then here? in Denmark and then just your friends in general?
1: I I think I was a little, perhaps a little bit naive going into it, to be Mm -hmm. honest, because I thought I could do all of the planning and preparations. And then if the book was finished, then that was the biggest piece of the puzzle done. What I quickly realized is actually it's a very active and demanding marketing campaign for over a three week period. So I had actually just taken over full time with the girls again and a week later launched this campaign, which, you know, I probably should have timed it either do it during my leave or Mm -hmm. I mean secure a little bit of support but it went really well and I think the preparation certainly helped me work through that so it was just a lot of late nights for those three weeks also you know navigating time zones my audience was here in Denmark and then largely in North America I think two-thirds in the end two-thirds of the supporters came from North America which meant being available and you know social media responding to things into the late hours because that's when that audience is active and communicating so it was a very busy time. Yeah, I'm really excited. I was 110 percent funded, so it's about nine thousand US dollars to yeah. kick off this project and do the first pr- print run of the book.
0: That's really great. And now, what was your goal
1: uh, uh, to raise? It's in Danish krona, oh. so it's it's. I've been you know working between Canadian dollars and US dollars, but it's yeah, 100 percent 10 funded. You can yeah. check out. I think anyone who looks at the site will see yeah. it in local currency. That's really really great that you got
0: supporters here in Denmark and in. U.S. or North America? Just put it that. Yeah. <laughs> just put it as North America. Oh. Did you sleep at all <laughs> those <was> three weeks? <laughs> Do you remember, or were you just a robot?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think at the you know at the most challenging, like uh, demanding part, I was getting about five hours a night. So still, you know, I hey, I that's really good. it's Not bad, right? No, that's... so I might, I might attest that you still look very fresh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's some months ago, so I've been able to recover a little bit. I think I certainly crashed afterwards, like after hitting my goal and then going past the, the end of it, there's like a recovery period where you realize you've been firing on all cylinders for three weeks.
0: Yeah, and then after that is like, okay, now I have to really uh, get the book printed, get that prepared. It's like one week break, and then all of a sudden, okay... Thank you, messages. <laughs> What's hilarious
1: is I think within 48 hours, you get a message from Kickstarter that says, congratulations, you funded your campaign. Now the work begins. <laughs> like, I just remember seeing that and being, thinking, what have I been doing the last three weeks? <laughs> of course, it, it depends on what stage. So a lot of people, when they if they use Kickstarter for publishing, that may be when they're finalizing the book and getting it printed. My book was actually finished before the campaign. So it absolutely shifted into production and shipping and navigating that that part of the process.
0: Yeah, that's so great. And you did that all like a matter of a period of a time. Yeah, uh, you did it. Your goal was before Christmas. I remember that. I remember ordering. You're like, I want to get this all out before Christmas. And I. I got I got mine they remember when I got mine, but I remember I gave it to a friend that had the baby.
1: Yeah, so the timelines are a little bit skewed because depending on where people are, affects when they are getting their book because obviously Christmas orders were prioritized and for European orders, I ship them directly from my house. So mm-hmm. when the first print one was finished, which was in late November, and probably what a lot of people don't realize about this process is once it's printed, if it's printed overseas on offset printers mm-hmm. like I had it done in a larger scale, then it goes on a on pallets in like a freight ship and they you know you get a certain number of weeks for how long that's going to take but if it sits too long in the port before departure being loaded if it sits too long in you know the receiving port if it sits before going through customs like it took months longer than i thought it was going to then you maybe are initially quoted from a shipping or production company yeah so i had my i paid to have 500 books shipped directly to me here in denmark which i received quickly and was able to get out to the first batch of people here in Europe and for any of the larger orders for Christmas, but then I was waiting. On for my, the other one. For, yeah, for the most of the books actually to arrive in North America, which I thought I would be able to distribute. I think my timeline was latest in January, but I mean, it was two days ago that they actually got into Amazon warehouses before, you know, all these processes I don't have control over. Mm-hmm. So my timelines were all very tight and I met them all, but then it's like the wiggle. What I've learned in doing this is that you probably need to create more forgiving timelines for the pieces you don't have control Control over, And not necessarily take everything at what timeline is given to you yeah. at the beginning.
0: So whatever you're like, okay, I'm going to send this out on this date, and this date. It all depends on delivery of the book and when it's going to get to your house. And then also the period of time delivering from
1: your house too. Which I was also really surprised. I think the pandemic also threw off a lot of normal timelines for regular shipping. So even things, I mean, I think it took like six weeks for books sent to get to Canada that I sent. Six it, weeks? Something like that. Yeah. They're just arriving now, and I sent them in the first week of January. So it's it's really crazy, and I'm you know I'm just sending out the last the last round of books that were you know for depending on the reward and what is included in it in the U.S. Wow! So it's crazy. It's really crazy. Some of the timelines that you know I have not been able to hit send from my warehouse in the U.S. until the last two days.
0: Oh wow! Because it hasn't been there. So. It just yeah. hasn't been there. So yeah.
1: I can't. I mean, then of course what what I ended up doing is just messaging people personally and saying if you want I'll send it from Denmark I don't know how long that takes either because of the international shipping issues at the moment yeah
0: but. a lot of people getting uh, mail right now is like 10 weeks yeah um, and and
1: most people actually were willing to wait they didn't need it immediately yeah or something like it, that
0: what led you I know you said after having twins kind of led you to uh, write a book like this but was it always your dream to be an author or was this something that came when you had kids
1: I think I always loved the idea of it and I always imagined it could be something I would love to pursue and I never had the right moment or you know whether it's skills or you know what stars align for it to happen I think I've always loved the idea of pursuing some you know something in writing and, mm-hmm. and, and publishing and then when this came and when the vision for the book you know really took over I thought this is the right moment for me and I think having I'm a business developer at the university so I work in startups and in the entrepreneurship entrepreneurial space and I think some of my skills were also they aligned well Mm -hmm. with the timing for the creative vision.
0: And also that helped you afterwards. You already know what to do afterwards on building the business from the ground up. Absolutely. Um, from getting, not publisher, but to get the books produced, where to send it and, and everything.
1: Yeah, the, the business end of it was a lot less intimidating for me, I think, than a lot of people venturing into publishing. Um, I had to learn more about the, the world of publishing and producing a good product uh, early in the process, but now we're shifting into, you know, more my wheelhouse. This
0: is more of like something that's just autobiographical for you. It's like, you don't even have to think about it. You already know what to do. Yeah. You don't a, have to Google.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm still learning lots, absolutely learning lots about marketing. And, you know, you, right now I'm in Amazon, figuring that all out, how yeah. to use that, that universe. Amazon's a whole new world,
0: a, a whole new education because it's it's a different than physical books.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think also because it's not, I mean, it's absolutely a platform I want to use to bring this message out, but I'm really excited about the opportunity of working with independent shops and small bookstores. So the pandemic, again, is affecting the timelines. And I think people buying products at the moment is slowed because people are shopping less on foot. So I'm reaching out a lot to subscription services mm-hmm. and, you know, companies that are doing online shopping.
0: Yeah, subscriptions, definitely, because there's a lot of book subscriptions mm-hmm. there that you can probably put your it's like, oh, next month, you know, in April, can you put this book into that subscription box or something like that?
1: Yeah, so but, I'm shifting to that at the moment. Yeah. My first priority and goal was was getting all the books that have been purchased today out and I'm there and then now shifting into making them available in the right places.
0: That's good that you had the background for that and now it's just getting the books out and hopefully learning more of Amazon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell the audience where your rating on Amazon is. I know we spoke about it. You said that before we started this podcast that your book was rated on Amazon.
1: Oh, it was. Um. Well, I mean, people can certainly go check it out. I have currently have the ebook available. That was up quite quickly. And then my, yeah, it's now listed on Amazon is a big deal. I'm sure people have no idea how all the hoops you have to jump through and that even in every country, Amazon has a whole different setup. So yeah. I'm I'm in Amazon.com in the US and it's available, people can buy it. And then now over the next day or so, I'm just ironing out some kinks with Canada and then I'm just distributing myself here in Europe. So yeah. I have the, the pieces in place and now I'm just coordinating all of the, <laughs> the moving parts. I don't know how you're doing it. <laughs> when is the next one coming? I have some ideas mapped out. It is absolutely addictive. I think a lot of people say this, once you've done it once and you realize how exciting it can be, and I won't have the same learning curve the second time around, so I would love to do another one this year. Do you
0: have a story in your mind of what you're going to yeah, write? Yeah,
1: I'm. I mean, one big idea that I'd really love to run with is about it's about nature-based play here in Denmark. So you know how important nature-based play and using the natural environment is in childhood, and how it can help kids. It's sort of like the teaser, I guess, of yeah. the next idea that I have written.
0: That's really good because a lot of people outside of Denmark say, "Oh, Denmark's known." for children playing outside in nature getting muddy, getting dirty is like the thing that kids do here and I love that my my daughter is doing, and my son does it too but he just automatically falls in puddles mm. <laughs> he just, he walks but he just has so much clothes on he just falls in puddles
1: <laughs> I think I think in, um, I mean in Canada obviously nature is very important but the way it's so embedded in the daycare systems here and in the education I just really, really appreciate it and I almost, I mean when you hear it it's a little bit of a novelty that people are excited about and realize how important it is. But then you look at Denmark, it's such a great example of how it can be actually built into the curriculum yeah. and into their learning and education. I think it's really wonderful. So I would love to have that flavor in the next book, which, of course, would be beyond the baby days.
0: This is the next step after baby days is when your kids hit daycare days.
1: <laughs> I, imagine I'll, I imagine I'll still be focused on preschool, but just <laughs> yeah. as an add you know, kind of following where my family's at and where our priorities are.
0: Yeah. And that's great that you're kind of creating books on where you're at right now in your life. You know, your kids, you're in the baby days now and then what would the next one be?
1: The toddler days? Oh, no spoilers. Yet. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm guessing, I'm guessing in 14 years you're going to be into horror. No? <laughs> Maybe. Drama queen days. <laughs> yeah. The three teenage girls wish me luck. I don't like looking that far ahead
0: because I have a four-year-old girl and you have an older girl too, and sometimes the attitude. I'm like, are
1: you a little? teenager. I was like, this is starting a little too early. Have you seen the eye roll yet? I mean, to watch a six-year-old girl roll her eyes at you, (gasps) it's incredible.
0: She (laughs) hasn't done that yet. Oh, I'm not. Oh, no. It's just the talking back right now. Yeah, the talking back and not listening, but seeing what I do when she
1: doesn't listen. She's like in the testing phase. Well, the other thing that's also horrifying is when they do something that you know they picked up from you. Um, Oh, yeah. Like the the one that kills me are ultimatums and my son has started doing it rather than saying I want this they say you have to do this or this that's it and I know that it's because I get, you know you're trying to teach natural consequences of you know you have to get ready for bed now or we won't have time for stories it's a very like logical thing and they're like let me watch tv or give me that snack I want and you're like well n- no it's not linked and you don't get to make ultimatums <laughs> but I appreciate that you're learning here. <laughs> My daughter did
0: that to me this morning. Not, not to me, but to her little brother. It's like Valentine, you do this or you do that. And I looked at her. I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah. she's getting that from me. She's getting it from me.
1: So this is not something exclusive to marriage, really. No, no. Yeah. they're
0: no. watching. They're yeah. watching. They're watching and listening, and they're picking it up. They're like, If mommy's doing it, mm-hmm. I can do it to my little brother.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and this like power struggle. I'm. I mean, I'm. I am learning a lot as we go along because you do see the older ones, you know, exerting the power on the next one because mommy and daddy are in control of me so that means i'm in control of you and i promise the sibling does not appreciate it
0: no so it becomes (laughs) fights
1: very quickly
0: it definitely becomes fights with my and i have a very big gap not big gap like three years gap for my daughter and my son and i thought you know my son could at least be three or two where that starts happening it's like now it's like now that my son's very hard-headed and he wants whatever he wants so sister already has and he'll take it and it's like vice versa it's like it's a you know a rapper it's like why are you guys fighting over a rapper there's like tons over there that you guys you know left it's like but they fight over that one thing so how do you
1: handle it <laughs> that they want one thing. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that they all four want the same thing that often. I'm just thinking we have some of this Tumlemobla, uh, so like the, oh, yeah. the, not the furniture, but it's like this really hard foam that they mm-hmm. use for gross motor skill development and sometimes they'll fight over one that's like rocking or, you know, like a seesaw or something like that. But what we try and enforce is just if you can't, we try and give them a chance. Listen, guys, you need to figure this out. Does one get it first? You give them some ideas. If it's still going sideways then we say, Listen, it's going to disappear and nobody gets it. Like, figure it out. Or it's going away.
0: That's what I do. It's like, if you want that one, exchange it. Take it's like, turns. Yeah, take turns. It's like, if you want a toy that he's playing with, just don't take it. Ask him if he wants another toy. Like, switch it out. Like, don't just take it and make him cry and then laugh at him.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't want, work.
0: It doesn't work that way. If you
1: don't want your brother to go to McDonald's, <laughs> tell him that it's closed.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if people want to buy this book, where can people buy your book? future books, Feature future books.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I should ask what day will the podcast be released. As of today, books are available on Amazon.com in the US, and I hope within a couple of days in Canada as well. I think here in Europe or honestly even in North America, the best place to support any artist or small small business yeah. is to buy it from their website. So if you're willing to purchase there, it normally is better for them. There's less fees than there are with working through a big platform like Amazon. Of course, some people prefer if they have a their information already uploaded there. It's easier and faster, and that's why people make it available on those big platforms. But we'll include my website. I know, so people can check me out. And I mean, all of the the work I do, publishing or creating podcasts, are available there. If you want to learn more about me,
0: yeah, because you're central doing central hub. You did a whole two weeks of also marketing, doing mm-hmm. podcasts, doing lives. So yeah,
1: that I, was the virtual book tour I finished yeah, a couple weeks
0: how, ago. How did how was that? How was that going? And did that build more awareness for the book?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was I mean, doing the virtual book tour was kind of twofold. I originally intended it to be aligned with when my books would be available. But of course, sales aren't the main goal. The main goal is about getting the message out and, you know, increasing awareness and also building credibility for Mm -hmm. the book. So I can say what I believed and what motivated me to write the book. So I had a couple author interviews in there. But I think the most valuable piece were actually the third party reviews of the Mm -hmm. book. So people I sent a copy to. For an honest review I didn't pay them Yeah But they were You know Bookstagrammers Or people who see A lot of children's book And were able to Critically evaluate it And have an opinion On the quality of the product From a You know A third party Somebody who's not biased And not motivated To say anything Good about it Unless they want to Yeah So I think that was Really great To have people Create some content And generate reviews That can live You know And be available online For people to see And read And get an opinion Of the book From someone Who's not invested
0: Okay That's really good that you're, you know, putting it out there and getting people's opinion and getting it known. And it's not just to you, sales is not important. It's more of people to get to know you and why you created it. And then you as an author, putting yourself out there.
1: Yeah, of course, I want people to gift the book and to have it and, you know, to receive the message. But I think it's really important for credibility for me as an author and for the product that I created that people can get some reviews the same way on Amazon. It's important you have reviews there that people can read and see what other people thought of it.
0: That's really good. And then I know there's some listeners out there that ordered the book. And if you haven't reviewed, please review the book on Amazon. And if you get more and more reviews, does that give you do you get benefits for how many reviews or? it's?
1: I mean, the the main benefit is that, again, it's a credibility thing Mm -hmm. that I think people can read more, you know, what other customers thought about the book and they can see, is this a good product based on how many stars you have? I do know that if you go and check the book out on Amazon, it helps with the algorithm. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know how interesting that is for our listeners, but it's essentially the way that Amazon prioritizes your book in different categories and populates, you know, that product when people search things. So yeah. when you search new baby board book, for example, how likely is it that mm-hmm. my book will be shown to a potential customer? So reviews help with that. And, you know, how many page views and purchases through the platform happen also help in that monster machine calculation. And Amazon's huge, Mm -hmm. like billions of stuff on there. So you're
0: competing with so many books and other things too. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
1: I mean, if you would imagine this as a baby shower gift, which is what a lot of people tell me they can imagine giving it for. I mean, you're competing with everything that, you know, diaper bags to monitors to books to all. Yeah, there's lots of things.
0: Yeah. For any of the listeners that they're aspiring to be authors or, you know, want to do something during their opportunity to leave because they are feeling down and feeling lost and a lot of international parents they kind of lose themselves when they move abroad because you kind of you change when you move abroad you're not the same person as for me how I would be in Los Angeles versus here in Denmark would be two different people maybe you living in Canada here in Denmark is two different people what would you give tips to moms out there that that was in the same place as you or aspiring to be an author
1: yeah whether it's a I think it's almost the same answer whether it's about you know losing yourself in moving moving abroad or whether it's in motherhood, I think you do change and evolve. And for me, it really was rewarding and helped me, you know, rediscover a piece of myself and my creativity by pursuing this project. So, I mean, it meant giving up some time on the couch, for example, but I never noticed that I made that trade. I think if you can find something that really lights you up and really feels important, then follow that. And even though I didn't necessarily have all the skills I needed from the day I decided I wanted to do, it. I just allowed myself to explore it. So explore the idea or the pursuit and see if there's a way to find some time. You know, something as simple as listening to a self-publishing podcast in the background while I went for a walk with my girls to the store. That is time that I was able to use to pursue that dream in a way without, you know, interrupting our flow of the day or compromising, you know, how good of a mom I might be in a moment. And I think it was really, it feels very fulfilling that I did this for myself, but also for, you know, the community of mothers that I care about. So I would I would encourage people to explore it and to, you know, to build some space in your life for your own ventures.
0: Did you know anything about publishing before you did this project?
1: I mean, no, I knew the business pieces from a general business or startup perspective, but no.
0: So you learned all this by a podcast or just Googling or just learning and watching probably not tutorials, but how did you learn to self-publish?
1: I mean, I'd say there's some of the key reasons sources I used were in Facebook groups. So yeah. using search functions in Facebook groups was really helpful. Find a space where people are learning the same thing that you want to learn and find a few people that you respect and think have done a good job producing a similar kind of product. In my case, it was a book or who I've self-published and see what you can learn from them. I did listen to podcasts because that was a media that I could easily use when my hands were so busy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, making dinner, for example, find creative ways to work and learn in the environment you're in.
0: Okay, that's really good advice for not just publishing a book, but in general, if you want to start a business or startup or anything that you're passionate about. We're almost done here. Dave is waving at me, saying it's uh, five minutes. So I want the people to know where to reach you, where to buy your book, social media. I know it's super important right now. Where can you find you and follow your journey on writing this another book, hopefully, and where to buy the book?
1: I would probably direct everybody to my website, so we'll include it, but it's lindsaykmadson.com and if you want to follow me on socials probably Instagram is where I'm most active I do have a Facebook page where I have all the information as well but at themadsonlittles.com and we'll include that I guess
0: Yeah well I have all the links to to your Instagram to Mm -hmm. where the the book is uh, where they can buy the book on your website because it seems like it's faster and less obstacles Mm -hmm. and you also get the traffic and awareness for it and also people can share from there right? Um, Yeah or
1: contact me directly it's I think it's always nice to see a creator's space and my website is that
0: yeah and also if you know any little cafes out there that are you know want books or a subscription that want to have uh, your book they can also contact you through the website yeah absolutely
1: I'm starting to well I've made some of my first wholesale deals as well so for people who buy multiple copies of the book it's also a better price than what you might buy one at a time yeah
0: that's really great I know this is like an off-key question but do you plan to stop working full-time and do this pursue this not at the moment
1: i'm scheduled to go back to work i really love my job as a business developer so at the moment this is kind of just a personal pursuit i'm doing for fun and for business on the side because it feels important but i do really like my job as well
0: so you get both worlds so this is just more for fun and okay well thank you for being part of my podcast and this radio show and also updating us on what is going on with with the book and how it's going also with you and your family so thank you so much for being here. Any last words to the audience or the listeners?
1: No, just um, I think follow your great ideas. Yes, follow you your great ideas. Tell
0: me, those things. <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of them. So even if you have kids or anything, there's always something to do. And it's really great to do something you love for yourself, not just the family, but for yourself to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a wrap for today. Uh, thank you again, Lindsay, and I guess. Um, Anyone that wants to connect with Lindsay, just go on my website and you'll see all her links. Until next time, everyone. Bye.